You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes. I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Gustav Nyman, Sushil Galati, Sri Bell and Christopher Ridisata, where we are discussing what is the role of a DevOps lead. So before we go into the topic and your questions, let's work our way around the room with some introductions to each of you. So Sushil, would you like to kick us off? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Abby. Uh, I am Sushil Gulati. Uh, I work as a cloud service manager at Electrolux IT. And uh, in, in my current role, I have been looking at uh, uh, the cloud office platform uh, for its governance. And, and I am very closely seeing how, how the DevOps culture is evolving across the organization. Uh, being an enabler team, it, it actually helps me see it all around. So, so that's, that's me for the context. Brilliant. Thank you for that introduction, Sushil. And Sri? Thank you, Abby. Uh, my name is uh, Shri Bal, and I'm working with Ericsson as a DevOps uh, lead with uh, the digital transformation. Uh, and uh, currently, I am quite closely working to make sure that uh, we first of all learn the agile principles, which which is there in the industry standards, and then we get rid of our uh, own thinking of the legacy legacy side of it because we are a 140 years old company but we need to adapt the new ways of working as per the industry standards it's not easy but uh, we try our best and try to deliver it as per ericsson's requirement brilliant i'm sure you're doing a fantastic job shri so christopher let's have an introduction to you well thank you abby well i've been in this business for about 25 years and Currently, I am working at a consultancy firm called Devis uh, here in Stockholm, uh, where I take on uh, different lead roles as DevOps lead, as automation lead. And I'm also venturing into our space uh, and our service called CTO as a service, which uh, I'm particularly happy to to be venturing into. That's going to be a lot of new and exciting stuff. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Brilliant. Thank you, Christopher. And finally, last but not least, Gustav, an introduction to you. Hi, thank you, Abby. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm working as a DevOps manager, actually, um, in a small company, a small casino uh, company. Uh, and uh, I'm actually managing a group of uh, DevOps engineers. Uh, yeah. And we are really small, so I, we are don't really should have those issues with um, uh, all of these other things that you're talking about, like uh, implementing all of these flows and stuff, because we are 80 people in the in the company, so it should be easy. Uh, but that's I'm coming back to that with my questions, how, how to implement that, the thinking within the company. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you all for your introduction. So now we've all gotten to know you a bit better. Uh, let's move to the reason why we're all here today. Um, so you've each given me a question or a subtopic surrounding what is the role of a DevOps lead. And I'll work around the room asking you all to pose your question and give us some more context. Um, and then we'll move around the rest of the group for their thoughts. So Christopher, we're going to start with you. And you've asked, what responsibility would you expect from a DevOps lead regarding driving the DevOps culture? So would you like to give us some more context to that and your experience, and then we'll move around the rest of the group for their thoughts? Yes, absolutely. So um, it's a lot of culture in, in DevOps, and you're usually in a, in a place where you're doing transformation journeys, at least at this point in time. So as a lead, it would be a natural thing to 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 tip into that uh, culture and also uh, try to evolve it. And uh, it's one thing to do it within the team, which is also very important, but also towards the development teams, if you are on, uh, for instance, uh, an enablement team or something like that, platform team, right? 
So uh, my question there is whether what kind of responsibility would you see that you have as a lead? What would you expect from a lead person, and what kind of actions would you would you see that that person would take? Great, thank you for that. Um, Gustav, should we go to you first? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I mean, I'm a manager and a lead uh, of a group with DevOps engineers also handling support, uh, and we have. Uh, we are not aligned in what we think a DevOps lead should be <laughs> working forty hours a week. Uh, my thoughts is that I'm uh, as a lead and as a manager, I will not be. Uh, the one with the black belt in uh, actually fixing all the things. Uh, my my trust is that we have a couple of um, people or employees who work with with the system and the environments that we have and the tools and everything, and they are the ones who are the best. And my my job should be to. Uh, get rid of all the impediments and uh, let the, the, the team work uh, as much unstirred as they can with all the things and all the topics that are uh, pushed to them. Uh, this is not really what we what uh, the intention in the firm that I am. Uh, we think that maybe this should be the leads who are the, the one who actually tells everyone how to do things. But I'm thinking that that is really not giving uh, the engagement and motivation in the in the workers as we as we want to. And that's how, how I think uh, of it as any lead position, actually. And also, I think uh, sorry if I talk too much now, but also I think it's really important that when we talk about the culture. It's really we have different teams here. Uh, we have not um, cross functional teams. So we have different teams. We have development teams, which we call the studios, and we have the sales departments or whatever, and we have handovers. Uh, we as a DevOps team are really uh, working and supplying with the, the pipelines and the tools uh, to help out the other teams, but we have solid handovers. Uh, hand, when we go to production, the, the code as such is handed over to us in the DevOps team and we deploy. Uh, please tell me if <laughs> if you think that's something that we shouldn't do. No, I think that's a great input. Sushil, what do you think? Uh, I somewhat agree with Gustav, but then but then there's there's another train of thought I have for for the DevOps leader. I think uh, see the the leader needs to be humble right obviously there is a devops team which is doing its bit and and the the culture or or sort of the setup is moving towards cross functional teams right we all understand that that agile is creeping in because it's more efficient than the traditional ways and and that's the way to go and and that will ensure that that the the product owner so to say the leads in the future are to be more humble more uh, offhand uh, etc but then i still believe that that a devops lead is is the torch bearer of the agenda right he he needs to be uh, uh, he needs to be the mind which has the agenda as clear as it can be, right? So he's the one who's talking to the stakeholders. He's the one who's understanding what needs to be done. While he can be as hands-off as possible, I think he's he's he need to be there in the front, uh, uh, leading the agenda and translating it to the team on on you know the the ground, so to say. So I I still believe that the leader need to be in front while while he need to be or he need to be as humble as possible so that's that's my view yeah come on gustav i know you've got some thoughts no no but i it's really interesting to have this discussion but uh, i also agreed of course that uh, i me as a lead for the group any group uh, should be close by where it's actually happening uh, you can't be uh, well far away 
you should to be able to help help the team and prevent the team to any obstacles that arise you should be close uh, and be aware of what's going on know the backlog and so on of course there are interesting when you when you uh, put in the the uh, deliveries and and um, the if you have a line organization and uh, uh, value streams and whatever when you call it uh, safe and stuff then it's going to be really interesting because then you really needs to be uh, ha that you don't interfere too much uh, if you are in the line organization with the value stream on the deliveries that they this maybe if you work in a, in a train organization or whatever uh, so i i totally agree with you sushi it's uh, yeah it's an interesting you should be there uh, you should uh, so you can actually uh, yeah be in, be involved in the discussions and understand what's going on Fantastic. Sri, what are your thoughts? As I know you're going through this transformation at the moment. I also agree uh, with uh, all of uh, the people over here. And today, the people who are the DevOps lead, uh, for an example, if Sushil, Gustav or Christopher or someone else, they have actually been through this transition phase at some part of their, their career, maybe in last five years, 10 years, something like that because uh, that is why they believe like this is going to uh, give some values to our customers. We will make sure that we deliver what is required as, as from the customer need, because you know, um, whatever we do to today and uh, irrespective of the principles we are going to adapt, it's always customer coming at the first, right? We need to understand what they want and how quickly and how efficiently we can deliver it for them so yes so we had been uh, through the journey and then we need to uh, not exactly hand holding but we need to influence the overall principles and the methodologies in the organization so the other people who are new to this uh, to this terms and all they should understand the values and they should be onboarded rather than feeling it as a burden because every day coming to the scrum meeting eight o'clock in the morning, it's not that easy. Trust me. So, and you have a people of hundred uh, people, hundred hundred numbers of people who should join that call, give you the status report, and then move on. So that's the way we work. That's the ways of working. Then we need to, you know, think about the how we deliver it. So there are different aspects of it, and we need to do it slowly and but efficiently. Yeah. Right, uh, Sushil. Yes, I think this uh, this actually brings up an interesting point. What she said, right? It it is uh, in the traditional world. I think stakeholder management had this uh, point where where it is really important to understand what the stakeholders would need from either a service or a product, irrespective of what they're delivering. But again, it comes down to the delivery lead or or the devops lead at the end uh, because he he or she is the one who got the power to say no and i think that's that's the most important weapon uh, a lead will have in the sense that uh, to be able to prioritize what goes into the service or what goes into the product is what at the end will keep the morale high, right? You, you, it is a responsibility of the DevOps lead to ensure that only the demands which are meaningful and you know, which his team can deliver with, with the timeline and the cost and everything kept in mind are the only ones which, which goes through, right? And, and because wish lists, they don't take time to increase and, and and it is DevOps lead who really keeps a check at that. And, and, and that's all I want to say without digressing further on this. Thank you. That's great, Christopher. Let's go back to you for your thoughts. Yeah, so it's interesting to see that, you know, when you ask a question, it can take a kind of a slightly different direction and you get feedback that you didn't expect, which is awesome, I think, right? Because, you know, you ask a question, and you get one question, you get two or three answers, right, to different things. I think that was awesome. So thank you very much for that, guys, right? So, uh, yes, and I, I do think that it's a good point that if you, if you have that experience as a DevOps lead uh, with the belief 
that you uh, talked about, Sreen. Uh, I think that's a really good thing. If you've seen it, you will believe it and you will have the power to withstand the, the, the obstacles that you will have on the way, right? So that will really help, I would say. I, I, I completely agree. So in terms of, of, of handovers, I would say, uh, yeah, um, I would. what I would like to see uh, is that you as a developer, you will have control of your application no matter what environment it is in, right? You got the power to deploy it at any time you want, but you will need to take the kind of responsibility for that, right? So that's what that's kind of my my best picture, and uh, and the, what you provide as as a, as a DevOps team is the ability to self service for these teams to do that, so that you will you will still have to manage the infrastructure, and you will need to manage the orchestration and things like that, right? Throughout the organizations that will or yeah uh, the environments so that's my two cents then with that said i mean with specific businesses there are specific regulations that needs maybe not necessarily a handover but specific approvals right so yeah that's my two cents and yeah it was really awesome to get your input thank you very much guys great gustav you got some last thoughts yeah, uh, I, that's interesting what you say there, Christopher. But also, I want to add for uh, the, the uh, well, while we are not working as cross-functional as maybe I would like us to do, uh, we also have the uh, situation where we in the DevOps team, as such, uh, have on call. So we have the support of of uh, the production environment. So it's it's really for us to uh, are the ones who deploy the code that we have not been involved in the development with, and uh, we have not tested it, and we are handed over to us, and then we deploy it in production, and we have on call, and that's really uh, not the perfect situation, to my my understanding, at least. What do you think, Shrey? I fully agree with that uh, concept because we had been through these situations, irrespective of the geographical differences that we have, the organizational differences. Maybe we are in different governance structure, but it has to be one team. They do, they not necessarily they need to sit in a single room, but they need to be a part of a group who thinks together, discuss things that there should be retrospectives. Uh, as Sushil said, we need to think through the requirements and prioritize them. Those planning has to be done properly and the team in an agile uh, environment should think together and agree with each other and trust with each other and then go back to the business and tell them that this is what we think and agree with the business as well because they are the key as we discussed. So yes, it has to be one team approach. It cannot be several teams working you know, with different mindsets and trying to delivers uh, which they don't trust each other so yeah great Christopher I'll go back to you just on Sri's point as well obviously working across many companies at once how do you think that responsibility responsibility changes between businesses that you've worked in uh, sorry what responsibility so obviously being a, a DevOps lead, do you think it changes from company to company that you're working with? Do you see different methodologies between businesses that you've worked with? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a wide range of how you do things, uh, depending partly on what kind of business you are in, of course, what kind of agile maturity level you are at, uh, but also what is important for you and also what kind of phase you are in with maybe deploying systems like Kubernetes and things like that. So things you might start out with doing, for instance, a lot of templating, and then you will evolve into doing maybe more more tooling or APIs or things like that for your, for your teams, right? So, and I, yeah, if, if that is something that would be appropriate. So there is a lot of difference in, in the companies that I meet uh, every day, right? Brilliant. Does anyone else have any final thoughts on Christopher's question? 
Great. So we'll go around to Gustav next. Um, quite similar to the, the current one. How do you build up knowledge and share it in the organisation? Give us some context behind that question. Yeah, OK. Um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, as I just stated and uh, <clears throat> tried to explain the situation that we have in our company is that <clears throat> that we have different groups. Uh, we have development uh, studios, as we call them. <clears throat> they develop uh, the, the games and push, them, push it up to the test environments, to test them. Uh, and we have a platform team who work uh, independently with the, uh, the studios as such. And then uh, as we in the DevOps team, we have to develop our own tool that we call uh, a change management tool, actually, uh, which is uh, a tool for the studios when they want to push something into stage and production. They can, they have to specify which versions and whatever uh, they want to push out into the next environment. They need someone to uh, say, uh, to, to approve uh, the version that they will push out. Uh, and it, they can do that for themselves out to the stage, but not into production. Then it's just landed in our knees and we push it out. Uh, but today it's like we, we have not succeeded in, in uh, uh, developing a, a big understanding of that we as a company need to be develop. We have the cycles that we develop in and we take should take responsibility for pop, pushing it out in the in production. So every user that we have have a stable product. Now it's handed over and when it's pushed out to production, it's the DevOps team who fixed everything. Uh, so what I like to get some and maybe some hints and tips how how to succeed with actually making everyone understand that we that we say no sometimes to something which have not passed a specific test uh, situation or anything is due to that we can't rely on the code which will be pushed out in production uh, we have different targets the develop, the studios have a deadline that they have to meet that the game should be out and they have actually uh, targets uh, getting targets uh, KPIs on on uh, doing things uh, as, as fast as they can uh, with short notice we can get um, yeah with really short notice of things that we need to push out in production uh, and we have under targets that we need to be comply compliance to the regulation that we regulations that is in this specific market or whatever. Uh, so we have different targets, which is not uh, over the under the umbrella for the whole company. And that makes us uh, don't we don't understand each other. We have different uh, visions of what what we actually do. So I just wanted to, how do others uh, implement a total understanding of, of what and why we are doing uh, this, have, have tried to have cross-functional and one flow? I have some thoughts, but I need, uh, would like to hear from, from you guys, what do you think? Sri, so we start with you. Yes, uh, this is actually a very good question and uh, a good approach uh, because many people uh, have been through this situation that when we decide uh, about the requirements, because there is a flow that what we are going to release. And then starting from the requirements flow, uh, it will be uh, going through different flows. And finally, we decide that we should release it. Then it's a quite uh, technical question that how much regression testing we are doing just to make sure that it will suffice the end users uh, uh, expectations correctly. And it also depends that how closely are the end users uh, engaged in the in the testing part. So one idea will be if you can engage the test users uh, as early as possible. They could be champions or SMEs from that area who 
who are from your business team for an example so they would not actually uh, the purpose of engaging business users at an early phase in the testing is not to figure out the errors in the system the purpose there is so they could figure out the actual use case uh, if they are testing at the functional level they will derive the end to end user case stories and try to test it and uh, functional test is at a very early stage rather than doing uat user acceptance test which is towards the end of the phase so uh, so the users will actually point out the actual business need what is missing perhaps and they can also point out to some part of the enhancements which could be um, taken into consideration as an at a very early stage rather than waiting to the user acceptance test and trying to figure out the requirements and you know going back through the whole cycle that could be one approach uh, which we have done and we have seen significant improvement uh, in terms of releases great thank you for that christopher what are your thoughts yeah this is a this is a big question for on a on a lot of different levels right so um, yeah so as a starting point in, in trying to communicate these things i would say that i i usually say that one of the things that we are bringing to the business what we're trying to do is to bring them the capability of speed and then kind of go from there and talk about of course yes we need to we need to be quicker uh, and be faster to market and we also need to of course you know we go all through all this failing fast and all these things that you've heard a thousand times right um, but also breaking it down and of course that we still need to provide this uh, speed capability while building just as much secure as we've been before right? maybe even more so and actually using this new ability of speed to be even more secure and so on right so that kind of dialogue um, going forward i think it's uh, somewhat important so um and, and as well that things are complicated that's what we have learned so far things are complicated and it's difficult for us to tell how this is going to end up right so we need to take small steps along the way and then adjust all the time and we have learned that we tried to build redundancy we build the, the systems to last right so so that they will never go down and well big surprise they went down anyhow right? so now we need another kind of structure right where we're more resilient we build the application so even though if they go do, do go down we will maybe be able to still use part of the service right we kind of try to make it as unobtrusive to the user as possible right and this is kind of what we try to to bring right so this is the kind of the what right and you were actually more asking about the how so you got you see you got another sidetrack here right? <laughs> so in terms of that of course it depends on the organization i would say but in the small and the close part i think that communicating with your close stakeholder is really important. Uh, we talked about champions before. I think that's a, like an excellent thing, right? So you you talk with your development team and you agree on how to to drive these things forward, and you and you find your champions, right? So and and, and in terms of the business, I think there is some understanding usually in the business that they need this speed, and not necessarily always why, but they see that everyone else is getting there so they need to get there just not to be left behind so so usually there's a base understanding you can build on so yeah i i'm aware that i didn't really completely answer your question but i will kind of sneak up on this <laughs> <laughs> no that's fantastic thank you christopher Sush oh sorry let's go to you i i fully agree uh, what uh, christopher said uh, irrespective of uh, the resilient testing the regression testing that we do and uh, we we might run the automated testing multiple times still the reality is we will get production failures from time to time but uh, the only thing is that how quickly our team is responding to it how how strengthened our monitoring system is our maintenance system it and how closely they are working together like as a whole devops team and not in silos they need to understand uh, you know what exactly is causing the error and that can be done with a quick collaboration 
So getting errors is the reality that will always be there, but introducing DevOps will fix it as soon as possible. Like we have some very stringent SLAs, right? When we have critical issues, it has to be fixed within four hours. That's it. We cannot handle it more than that because then we will have real financial impact because we are talking about production, core production systems. So uh, yeah, I think uh, DevOps will bring in more collaboration, which will help to fix the issues quickly. So that's important, so yeah. Great, Sushil, let's go to Yang. I have very limited uh, insights and inputs to this, but then one thing I, I can add uh, with, with the with the adoption of new tools that we are seeing around, I think there uh, we are uh, re at least reducing the impact, right? So the the tools are helping us, but then uh, the key is to be able to uniformly adopt such practices within an organization, right? Because sometimes we work in silos, and some team is doing it better than the others, and some teams are on their own route, et cetera. I think it, it, it is important for the, the leadership and the organization to bring everyone on the same path so that the impact could be reduced. And, and if a tool is either purchased or homegrown, doesn't matter. As long as we standardize on things, uh, uh, the, the impact is, is lower on, on such a circumstance. That's my input, yeah. Gustav, do you feel like you've got some good tricks there to take back with you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've got some, uh, got some uh, good ideas how we can uh, spread knowledge and getting uh, more um, interest in the rest of the organization. This way, the introduce the concept of champions. That's uh, that's really a good thing. We, I, I think, we, in uh, recent uh, other works that I had, maybe we call them. Uh, ambassadors or, or something like that, ambassadors. But um, yeah, what, what I have learned at least is that uh, we, we, as I stated before, when, when we talked about Christopher's issues, for us in this organization that we are right now, it's like we have, as we have handovers and that we in the DevOps uh, team have on call. And that's I, what I have learned so far is that if you have uh, a specific uh, team who have developed something and pushing it out to production, if they have the responsibility responsibility for that function or service or product or whatever you call it, uh, or also when it's out in production. So if you got any issues with it out in production, uh, quite quickly you will get more um, uh, stability within the flow. Uh, because it's if it's just handed over uh, to someone else who take responsibility, then yeah, we have an issue. But that, that's a uh, that's a plus when you have a smaller organization as we have. We have all the possibilities to actually implement it. It's harder when you work for Electrolux or or Ericsson. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's harder. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for inputs. Yeah, great discussion, everyone. Fantastic. So, Shreem, we'll go to you next. You asked why DevOps and how will it help before an automated product delivery? Tell us some more context around that. Yes, uh, and I also have some inputs to, to the same question. And uh, as we discussed already, that quicker delivery is a key that uh, and, and with the change uh, in the industry, that's quite fast nowadays. It's not like we can really survive with a with a delivery of uh, six months, one year, or even eight weeks. Sounds quite late for some industries, and it it actually differs from company to company. And what is our agreement uh, to our customers and to our internal people as well? So uh, keeping that into mind, if I go to the traditional ways of working. Then uh, uh, with the typical industry-wide, uh, we had a development team and there is an operations team and they are working quite in silos. They don't know what each other are doing. And primarily, uh, usually it used to be a big bang approach, like the team will take the requirements from the users, then the door, door is closed. No more requirements, no more further enhancements or anything. The requirements are actually locked 
then the team will do an investigation. The, the, uh, there, there will be a couple of people who know what to do on the product level. They will talk to the architects and all. Then they will decide, OK, this is what we will do. No connection to the business till that time. Then eventually it will take six to eight months. They go through build, test, release phase and release it, hand it over to another team who has no idea what happened, what are the test results, how many blocker defects were there, what was done to fix those defects and all. Then that then comes the operations team. They have one mindset that we will make sure that uh, we will uh, release some functionalities every six months without consulting the business. We have our product. We are a product company. We know what should be released on the product. So they will keep on releasing on those functionalities every six months to one year. And they have a target in their mind that our environment should be available 100%. That's our target, irrespective of the requirements that we receive from the customer side. So that's a traditional ways of working. And I think uh, we we have this transition of DevOps. It has started a long time back. It's not like something which started just now or in last couple of years. I would say it's 10, 15 years at least. Maybe it was not uh, renamed like Agile or you know uh, like that. Uh, so people have already realized it. But right now we are trying to bring everyone together and making sure that we are aligned and uh, the the shift left is it it is called the terminology which we use in agile and devops the shift left is happening quite quick uh, i have worked in four to six weeks of uh, time frame but I, I know there are teams who are working in one week two weeks as well and that's real devops wherein they are working in the continuous integration and continuous uh, development they call it uh, CICD pipelines then what is the purpose of it so I, I think someone mentioned in this group the purpose is is to enable the business I fully agree with that it's not delivering it's actually enabling the business for their own requirement so if if it is Facebook they are doing releases every day right so and they have a uh, they they have I think 200 GB of uh, code to be deployed on thousands of servers worldwide. It's not easy. They 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 must have evaluated it and they have a proper uh, process that how they are delivering it today. So maybe that's an extreme example, but uh, we can think about our customer needs and we can uh, really work on it. Hmm? Great, Christopher, we'll come to you first then. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, another big question, of course, right? Uh, I suppose that's why we're here. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I would say in terms of, of, of DevOps, I will, I will probably go back to what I said before. I think one of the kind of primary purposes is to de deliver the capability of speed to the organization, right? So col collaboration, of course, is, is key in doing that in so many areas, not just what we are working with, right? So that's an important thing. And I think also, I mean, we're starting to organize ourselves into value streams. And that is not, well, that's partly something you do on the development side of things and the development team towards the business. We are organizing ourselves in value streams and we're seeing kind of the same thing for say an, an enablement team or a DevOps team, they will also have a value stream that's just below like the developers so we will deliver the tool sets for them to to be fast and to be quick right and we will do that through the whole chain of environments as well right in co collaboration with them close collaboration right so it's important that we we will become on just just another development team so to speak right so we will we need to speak to them on their terms right we will need we need to to create things for them that they can relate to. So, I mean, in the same way that you will be working in in a um, in a booking team versus a content team, right? These two teams will need to talk to each other. And as you said, right, they've been doing that for years. And the same goes for us as well with the same kind of things. We should also do demos, that kind of things, right? As well, right? So, yeah. So organizing ourselves, I, I would suppose, uh, will be a, a key uh, factor in, in a value stream as well and find that value as you were into, not only for the developers, but for the entire business. And I think one of the key things that we can bring to the table 
as a capability for the entire business is speed. And it will change the in, it will change the, the business in the foundation on how they think do and do things. Right? Sorry for the long answer. No, that's great, Sushil. No, that that makes absolute sense, Christopher. And and to your point, Tri, I think um, I I want to add a dimension to to this, right? Like Christopher mentioned, and he stressed on speed, right? Time to market is the key. But then, if you look at the whole stack, there is a there is a crucial layer underneath, which is the infrastructure layer, right? And and the way things are moving, uh, they they're catching up so to say right and and when when she mentioned that yes absolutely the software teams the developer teams are using devops in one form or the other for years and years i think the infrastructure teams have started to to catch that train and and since I think it all started with virtualization. You have virtualization and then you have cloud coming in. And now uh, infrastructure is at a state where it can be deployed through a code, right? So so the whole stack then comes closer to each other. And and uh, uh, the the whole purpose of speed, or not, not the purpose, I think, for the lack of a better word, the whole need of speed is is uh, uh, now fulfilled at all layers, so to say, right? When infrastructure is able to catch, I mean, uh, those times are gone when you when you need a machine and then you go to an on-prem team and they'll give you a a, a four-week notice saying that, okay, guys, let's uh, let's wait. I'll see you after four weeks, and then something will happen to the delivery after the end of third week. Those those common problems uh, uh, we have all seen, I'm sure. But then uh, with infrastructure as a code coming into play, I think that that whole stack then is able to meet that speed. So that's that's the dimension I, I wanted to talk about. Fantastic. Gustav, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, maybe I do. I, I have, um... This is a, a, a tough one when, when you talk about these uh, speed and uh, all of the communication between the different uh, yeah components if you if you choose that language but um, in a big big organization as Electrolux or, or Ericsson I, I've been working for Ericsson so I know I know how how hard that can be uh, but but I'm uh, I'm uh, a bit worried when we talk about speed because that could be an, an illusion if we say that we if if we're going to be faster, that's really what we're going to do. Short shorter lead times from from uh, thought to uh, market, right? But it, the the trick is actually to to break things down into smaller pieces so you actually can. Uh, in, iterate more frequently. Uh, it's not that you can have a big portion of a product and and push it into a, 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 a two-week sprint. It's like you need to break and get. That's also what I what I have learned is the understanding from the business because all of a sudden, if you talk to the business, okay, we're going to be agile now, so we're going to have two-week sprints. From from thought to deliver, and the business says, "Oh, perfect! I want this in two weeks. Just rush on." But that that's not really how it works, right? You need to be able to to make everyone understand. Okay, but this is what we have to do. We have to break things down into small deliveries and deliver small pieces in in a frequency. That that's what you need to do, uh, and that's the hard part actually to break th things down. I think you summed up. What I, yeah, I yeah, think you sorry. summed up agile in one line. Sorry to interrupt there, but thank you, <laughs> Christopher. You're on mute. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a really good point, right? And I think that this is something that uh, kind of ties back to what we talked about to, that you that you have a belief, if you've been through this journey, you have a belief that this will work, right? And I think that is part of it is that you have seen, when you've you've come back to the business and said, you know, when they said, okay, then I want exactly as you say, I want to have these hundred things done, right? And you say, yeah, but you can have three. 
but we promise you we'll do it a lot quicker, but you can only have three. And that is that is a very interesting time that kind of defines you, right? And you have you need to have some some courage and belief, right? And just say, okay, just give us these first sprint or whatever, and we'll make sure to make that delivery, right? <laughs> but that is very special. I just want to give another point, another second thing here, which is probably a given one, but one of the one of the true enablers of speed is, of course, automation also, which is one of the differences, I think, especially in new infrastructures, right? Infrastructure's code is definitely one of these. So. Great. Sri, let's head back to you. Yes, I agree with the point that uh, really uh, thinking to deliver in a short span of time and what to deliver is complicated. But if you start practicing it, it will be easier. Then the tools should be capable of doing it. Because uh, sometimes I have seen that the development happens in a distributed manner, and then they wait till the end to merge the code. So because uh, why they do that? Because they don't have the tools capable of doing it. And if you have different areas, like for an example, uh, in supply chain, you have a bill of material, you have a bill of process, then you have overall process, for a change action which will connect to each other. So these are three different areas, but you and we keep on developing the code as per the functionalities derived by the business, but we don't merge the code from the beginning. We we, uh, we wait till like for two to three sprints and then we try to merge the code. There we face major issues, I would say custom code failures. And uh, yeah, I think we need some more early stage code merge uh, as soon as possible uh, or else we will find unexpected effects which will take much more time which we could have saved during the uh, last cycles yeah i agree with that point great thank you and we'll, we'll kind of continue on this conversation and go on to sushil your question where you asked how is devops shaping up the platform product areas and how are infrastructure as code teams and their product owners and leads transforming and embracing their devops journey so give us your thoughts on that yeah thank you abby and and i think some some parts we have uh, touched already on this like christopher also mentioned how important this automation is and and i have been through this journey being on the infrastructure side i have seen teams evolving and maturing uh, on their journey but i want to hear from you all on on how do you see i mean of course the 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 speed is uh, important right and and automation around it coming in from the infrastructure layer is is a is an important piece to the whole uh, 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 part right but then but then what's what's your experience in your organizations or previous organizations how do you see platform teams and how do you see their leads uh, uh, stepping into a devops sort of role and devops lead sort of role because like i said before i think infrastructure is is catching up right and and the mindset is also <laughs> catching up so so what what have you seen and how are how are the infrastructure leaders taking this maturity journey great thank you has anyone got any thoughts I can mention that uh, uh, as you are a cloud uh, platform leader, uh, Sushil, so we, we are also adapting uh, more to uh, more to move on to cloud environments. Uh, but on the other hand, we also need to keep in mind uh, the aspects that we have. Uh, you know, we need to think about security, reliability, and the overall quality and uh, then the trade compliance everything we need to consider that one and but we we are on the journey and it's a long way to go so yeah thank you for that gustav yeah i mean uh, once again uh, i have the luxury of being in a rather small organization so it's actually that we are in the same office everyone and we actually sit in just close by the platform team uh, i would really like us to be uh, one team instead of having one devops team and a platform team um, and that's what i'm driving for but uh, yeah 
we we are in the public cloud uh, we have we are in avs so uh, we are using um, uh, infrastructure as a code and uh, uh, and configuration as a code as well so i mean uh, we are we are there uh, mentally the, the the one thing that maybe we have is that we don't really rely on on automatization that's a little bit strange thing to say but uh, it, we we have a foundation that we think that uh, if you do it manually you check it twice maybe a third time and then it may get it right i'm thinking more that if you do it manually it's uh, probably we're going to do uh, wrong we implement errors all, all over, but um, yeah, um, it's an interesting thing. And uh, I also, I think that all of this will be easier while we go into new techniques and we automate things, but we have to rely on the uh, members in the teams that they do uh, right things. Yeah. Fantastic. Christopher, what do you think? Well, I would probably like to think of it, of, of it as uh, layers of cake, I would say. So, I mean, for me, there there will be, uh, depending on your organization, these layers will be looking a bit different. And I, I probably agree with Gustav, if, if plausible, I would have like the platform team and the DevOps team in, in the like in the same team, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, depending on where you are, but but I think otherwise, I think there will be a layer of cake, right? So you have some kind of infrastructure team-ish, right, at the bottom, and uh, they will then, you know, be connected to the DevOps team, and they will be connected to developers and in that kind of layers of cake, right? And I think throughout this cake, it's very important that you deliver self-service. So from whatever layer to another layer should be self-serviced, right? And in these days with automation, that means APIs. And sometimes you could say like, okay, for us, it's fine. We can be in the cloud so we can, we can already be moving some things out of our business, so to speak. But you will still have the need of, of transforming whatever vendor you're using uh, to something that's consumable by your teams, right? So that means uh, reducing the complexity of, of the of the vendors, right? Uh, and enable security ruling and so on, right? So I think that's my two cents around around that, that you will be probably be, again, evolving more towards uh, like a developer team that than you have had been traditionally as an operations team or lower layer of this cake team, so to speak, right? So that's my kind of two cents on it. <laughs> So sure, we'll bring it back to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, good inputs. Gustav, I, I completely agree to that. It all comes down to the people, right? How how we take it. And, and Christopher, a very important point. I think uh, we need to we need to start to think like developers, right? We need to start to think like the teams who uh, uh, who are not infrastructure teams in the traditional sense, right? I think that's that's the key. We need we need to have our uh, mindset maturity journey uh, like a software team, and and that's where uh, the barriers will break. I think so. Yeah, good inputs. Thank you, guys. Great. Thank you very much, everyone. And I think we'll leave our discussion there for today. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I want to take this opportunity to thank Christopher, Gustav, Sri and Sushil for participating and providing their insights on the topic. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you would like to get involved in our upcoming podcast, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolutionnordics.com. See you next time.